Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Live in Conversation. Um, Today, we're going back to Freeform. I know last time it was really just, you know, me talking about the plans I had just introduced, further elaborating on it, you know, some side topics here and there I wanted to touch on, but, you know, nothing really crazy last time. So today I want to come, kind of come back into, um, you know, the typical episode where it's, you know, just, just topics that are going on that I saw that I want to talk about and, you know, just bring up. Because, you know, a lot of people, and, you know, I notice this primarily with politicians, um, whether they be in office, out of office, more so in office than out of office, because, you know, politicians that are out of office are, you know, you know, mainly um, politicians that just haven't been elected into office previously, you know, they, they actually have such a large sense of compassion a lot of the time. Um, you know, me especially. I mean, with me, though, I'm not really going to change if I get elected into office. You know, I think that that whole concept, you know, this is the first thing I actually want to talk about. You know, I think the whole concept of, you know, when you get elected into office, you just lose all sense of compassion. I think that entire concept is just disgusting. You know, I I feel like personally, if you really just lose all sense of compassion when you receive a title that you only have because the people voted for you and they chose you for that position over other people, I think that's a disgusting thing to do. Um, you know, that, that I've always been very against, you know, that whole concept of, you know, losing compassion and losing, you know, your drive and your, and your, you know, your actual, you know, desire to do something and to make a change, you know, a lot of people campaign on change and then don't do it. You know, look at president Biden. That is a very big example. He, he campaigned a lot on, you know, changing the healthcare system, lowering healthcare costs, you know, doing all this stuff. And, you know, it sounded good on paper, but I mean, everybody knew that it wasn't going to happen, yet we still voted for him. Because, you know, the, these campaign lies are strictly made to just drive people toward votes. You know, politicians are actively using you for votes now. You know, and I, I after all, that is a part of the game. And that's not exactly limited to what I mean. I mean, in particular, you know, they use lies, to, to capture your votes and to capture your ballot and your, your, your stamp of approval that'll get them one step closer to winning. You know, it's okay if, if, because that's how elections work. But if it's campaigning on lies and things that you're just not going to do, I think that's ridiculous. You know, everything that I've campaigned on so far, I'm going to try my best to get achieved. I don't care if I have to send stuff over to the state legislature, the state senate. I don't care who I have to send it over to. If I have to send it over to somebody to get the change done, best believe I'm sending that over to get that change done because that's what I believe needs to be done. Um, Obviously, the governor doesn't have all the power in the world. They have a relatively good amount, of course, but there's also the state legislature and the state senate, you know, and I plan to work very closely with the legislature and the state senate as well because, you know, we need to get change done. And I'm tired of people saying straight up that there's no change that needs to be done when there is plenty that needs to be done that can be done. And that is easily achievable with just a little bit of effort, you know, but uh, with the, with the modern age of politics, a lot of these candidates are just not putting in the effort, you know, um, a lot of politicians just rely on the endorsements of, of former politicians, you know, um, my contender in this election, this primary, um, Eleni Kunalakis, uh, Lieutenant Governor Kunalakis, um, 
I believe that's how you say her name. If, if not, then I apologize. But Lieutenant Governor of California, the Lieutenant Governor, we're just going to call her the Lieutenant Governor because that's, that's who she is. The Lieutenant Governor, you know, already it was really shady how she had gotten elected. There was a lot of rumors behind it, I believe, from what I had heard. You know, but rumors are just rumors at the end of the day, you know. Um, I actually heard another one of my contenders, Jesse Perez, talk about it, um, you know, talk about how, you know, uh, Lieutenant Governor getting elected into the position of Lieutenant Governor was a little bit suspicious. She had apparently bought her way to the top or whatever. I don't know if there's any validity to any of those claims or not. So, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna label them as claims, um, and just move on. Um, but, you know, there, there's a couple things I want to talk about relating to, you know, the whole election and everything. And, you know, I, I just feel like the first thing is, you know, the lieutenant governor running is no surprise. You know, um, this happened back in, in the state I was born in, in New Jersey, um, in I believe it was 2017. Um, Chris Christie was our governor. Um, gov- uh, former governor Chris Christie was our governor at the time. Um, and his terms were over. He was he was finished. Right. He can't run again. So his lieutenant governor, the first lieutenant governor in New Jersey, um, Kim Guadagno, I believe her name was, she ran for governor and she ended up winning the Republican primary. And she she did lose. She lost um, to the Democratic primary winner, Phil Murphy. Um, And yeah, so, you know, I I just it's obviously to be expected, you know. I almost, I almost called it, you know, when I, when I heard, when I realized uh, Governor Newsom's second term, he couldn't have a third term, you know, this was his last term that he could, that he could be governor. You know, I was like, I'm calling it right now, Lieutenant Governor's running and it's almost going to be unfair. Um, You know, I saw um, Jesse Perez, another one of the contenders in the race, of course, um, posted a poll update, I guess the latest numbers. And you see Betty E in the lead, which, you know, I, I do quite like Betty's plans. I think Betty's plans are amazing. You know, would I do more? Absolutely. You know, are, are my plans more, you know, quicker and more, you know, hands-on and kind of forceful in a way, in a good way? Absolutely. You know, I've, I campaign on immediate progression and immediate change. You know, I've campaigned on the fact that for the first, like, day, two, even three days, I'm not going to go to sleep until I find that there's substantial amount of change that I've been able to begin the process of within my first couple days in office. And that's just what I'm going to do. I don't care how many coffees I have to drink. I will get change started within my first two, three days. Because that's what the Californians deserve. That's what Californians deserve, is immediate change. Because the way that things are going is not good. The city of Los Angeles, and obviously if you've been following me for a while now, you would know that I was running for mayor of Los Angeles before I exited that election and entered into the Democratic primary for governor. Um, you know, I was running in the 2026 mayoral election before I decided to just step it up to governor. Because I realized... The mayor of Los Angeles can't make all this change happen. Los Angeles is not the only city affected in California that that is, you know, dealing with the lack of state government action and assistance. You know, Governor Newsom has barely done anything that I would have done. I would have done a whole load more in comparison to what Governor Newsom has done, which is barely anything. The city of Los Angeles, 
The, the, the workers of the city, the city workers, are not being paid enough, which I think is ridiculous. They should be being paid fairly for the amazing job that they do every single day. I think they need to be paid fairly. I support the city workers on strike because it's, it's a common ask. It's not like they're asking you for one of your limbs or one of your organs. They're not asking you for, for something ridiculous. They're asking for a raise. I mean, maybe better working conditions. There's nothing outrageous that they're asking you for. So, I yes, I do think, you know, they were with, well within their right to strike. But at the same time, this all could have been circumvented if the city had money. And you know who has a bunch of money and, and just tends to waste it a lot or just keep it in the bank? The state. Why do you think I, I have such a comprehensive budget plan? Because a lot of the budget, realistically, we don't even need a good chunk of the budget that we're currently harnessing. Because where is it going? What change has been done as a result of extremely high taxes that I deem suffocating, personally, these suffocating high tax rates? What have they done? There has been barely any positive change as a direct result of taxpayer dollars being put to work. Look at Michigan. Michigan has it going for them. Michigan has it going. They're directly trying to help. Governor Whitmer, who I have praised in the past, has everything going extremely well. We need to take a page out of their book. I've even said we need to take a page out of the book of the Liberal Party in Canada. We need to take pages out of other people's books. We need to realize if these people are doing so well, why is our state not? Why are the tax rates so high? Why are the gas prices so high? Why is the inflation so high? Why is our infrastructure falling apart? Why is the economic status of this state falling apart? Why are there not police patrolling the streets? You know, and, and why, when we do have them patrol the streets, are there so many issues where police directly commit misconduct and abuse of power? It's, there's, there's no common sense when it comes to the debate on police. You know, either people want to defund them or they just want to give them free reign. Both options are stupid. If you give them free reign, that's just idiotic, you know? You're putting people above the law. Something that the Founding Fathers would literally turn over in their graves at the thought of. Or you're just defunding them, which is which is pointless, because now you have a city like San Francisco. The police got defunded there. They clearly don't have the funding that they need. And that's that's why I'm really not on the best, like, agreeance with um, Mayor Breed, Mayor London Breed of San Francisco. I'm really not on the best agreeance with her because of the fact that this is happening in her, in her city. And she has done nothing. She's done nothing. I looked at her page and, and they're, they're bragging about, oh yeah, we found a bunch of like narcotics in the tenderloin. And that's fantastic, you know. I'm glad they busted that operation. But in addition, what else are they doing? Are they stopping these robberies, these smash and grabs, these auto thefts? Are they stopping any of this? No. And it's not to the fault of the police department. It's to the fault of the city government who has defunded them unconstitutionally. There is no reason for to be defunding the entire force when there is already pre-existing high crime rates in the city of San Francisco. Defunding them makes that worse because people realize, oh, there's, there's not going to be anybody that stops me. 
There's, there's hundreds of videos of people smash and grabbing in San Francisco and, and even in Oakland as well. And, and nothing's happening. No police are coming to these people doors and arresting them, even though there's clear video of these things happening online. But you know what, what we're going to do? We're going to rename the port of Oakland. We're going to rename the airport, whatever it was. It was one of the two. We're going to rename of the port or the airport. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to, you know, make everything look nice and pretty. I think it's ridiculous. You know, you need to take actual action. You were the one who decided to run in a campaign to become mayor. You were the one who decided, ah, yes, this is a great plan. I'm going to run for mayor. I'm going to become mayor. That's fantastic. If you chose to become mayor, you need to act like you're the mayor. Defunding the police is not necessary. You need to make sure the police are funded and strictly following guidelines that prevent abuse of power and, per- and, 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 and pretty much prohibit misconduct. We need to make, we don't need to defund police. We need to stop giving them military weapons, military grade weapons, unless there's like a whole like big serious situation that really, really requires it. Then, you know, that's an exception, but we need to stop giving we need to stop sending units with military-grade firearm and armor and everything to simple calls. We need to establish unarmed peacekeepers for situations that do not involve violence or firearms or any sort of weapon. You know, pretty simple, I think. In addition, we need to keep the standard uh, patrolling officer. You know, give him a, give him a small weapon force them all to wear body cams. They must wear a body cam. And that's pretty much it. And then maybe you have the SWAT team. You know, you have the SWAT team. They have the military-grade weapons, and they're only called when it's a serious enough situation. It's not difficult. We need to increase the funding because the funding has been decreased. And look how well that is going. I find it ridiculous. And I'm progressive, I'm a progressive left. I'm on the far left when it comes to progression and socialism. And I I even think this is ridiculous. People are dying as a result of this. People are leaving their car doors unlocked so that their windows aren't smashed. They would rather have stuff stealing out of their car than have stuff stealing out of their car and a broken window. Which, you know, if if I was forced between those two choices... I mean, yeah, I'd leave my door unlocked, but there shouldn't be a reality where you have to leave your door of your car unlocked because there's going to be 17,000 waves of people breaking into your vehicles. It's, it's ridiculous. The citizens should not have to deal with this. This is pretty much torture. The living conditions in San Francisco are near torturous. It's time that is put to an end. Obviously, I would lo- I, I'm, I'm making it my goal to work with these cities and these counties and, and, and make, make initiatives and, and um, collaborative plans and initiatives if I become governor. I'm going to work with all these cities and counties and mayors, you know. But if they refuse my service, I mean, I might have to say, hey, I'm the governor. This is ridiculous. And I might have to intervene. I'm not saying it'd go to that immediately. Of course, I will talk to Mayor Breed or whoever might win this election in 2024 for um, San Francisco mayor. 
you know, I might, I'm, you know, who knows? I, I will try to speak with whoever's elected, whether it be Mayor Breed gets reelected or, you know, another candidate wins. I will talk and I will try to collaborate as, as much as I can to help the people of San Francisco. And if that does not work and, and the mayor of that own city is is refusing help from the state, then that's that's an issue because not all, these people aren't just your your citizens. These aren't just San Franciscans. These are Californians, and that is an issue because you you can you can neglect them as much as you want, and you can refuse to increase the police. You can refuse to you know fund public services, all that. But guess what, California. If I'm if I'm governor is not standing for any of that nonsense. I'm telling you that much right now. And that goes for everybody, not just San Francisco. That goes for every single county, every single town, every single city. If you choose to defund the police and not actually partake in actual, real police reform, you're taking the lazy way out for the expense of the suffering of your citizens and your constituents. That is exactly what you are doing. If you are choosing to defund the police over actually taking the time and doing police reform, then you're taking the lazy way out and you're putting millions of citizens on the line. You're making them suffer through it because you didn't feel like doing the work and the paperwork and and, and the decision making. You didn't feel like doing that because you decided to take the lazy way out. If you are elected into political office, there shouldn't be a lazy way out. I find that ridiculous that politicians still tend to take the lazy way out several times. It is almost a loop at this point. When is it going to end? It's ridiculous. We have mayors in so many cities that are either not getting the state assistance that they need or, or just simply enough are refusing state s- service or are just, are just not doing their job correctly. Mayor Breed needs to do her job correctly. She needs to do it correctly because it is not panning out well for San Franciscans. It's not panning out well for Californians. It's not working for anybody except herself because she gets to take the lazy way out repeatedly. It's ridiculous. Eric Adams of New York, I know it's not in California, but this it goes on to further prove my point, wants to put homeless people, force them, kidnap them, and throw them in hospitals. Yet Eric Adams wants to talk out against Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott for, for taking migrants and kidnapping them and sending them to Martha's Vineyard, downtown Los Angeles, you know, any liberal city, Washington, D.C. It's ridiculous. You are being a hypocrite. There is no reason to be sending innocent homeless people to hospitals by force. That is kidnapping. That is kidnapping. That is illegal. If I was president right now, not only would I be pressing federal charges of kidnapping, because it is going beyond state, state borders, I'd be pressing these charges against Ron DeSantis, um, Greg Abbott. I'd be pressing these against, um, what's it called? I, I'd even be pressing them against Eric Adams. Because Eric Adams is, is willingly okay with this. He is, he, is, he is promoting the concept of kidnapping homeless people and throwing them into hospitals like they're, like they're, like they're sick. Like they're insane. 
we're going back decades. It seems like just because somebody's homeless doesn't mean that they have 76 million diseases and you get, you get to throw them into a hospital because they're lesser than you. That is a ridiculous concept. Honestly, I think Eric Adams should be impeached for that. I think he needs to leave office. That's what I think. And that is, uh, that is coming from a Democrat. That is coming from the left. You need to resign. There is no reason. There is absolutely none that that continues to happen. That is stupid. That is foolish. That's idiotic. That is lazy, is what I like to call it. Instead of putting money, like even Los Angeles is doing it, and, and Los Angeles is going through a practically a shutdown. Los Angeles is doing it. They're trying to end homelessness. They're actually putting city funding into curing homelessness. And what is Eric Adams doing? He's trying to throw them into hospitals. So it's not his problem anymore. It's the hospital's problem. Hospitals are already flooded with stressing amounts of people in New York as it is. Why are we adding more to the problem that is absolutely unnecessary? If this was about actually taking medical care of homeless people, make health care accessible to homeless people. But you won't do that. You want to just force them into a hospital so you don't have to look at them anymore. And so that it's not your problem anymore. That is ridiculous. You need to resign because you're a piece of shit. I'm sorry. I, I, I get extremely pissed off when, I, when people that are elected into office don't do their job. And they take the lazy way out. That is exactly what Eric Adams is. I'm sorry. I, I'm just speaking reality. Eric Adams is taking the lazy way out because he doesn't want to look at homeless people on his streets. He doesn't want to look at them. That's the reality. He doesn't want to look at them. He doesn't want to deal with them like a mayor should. So he's trying to shove them into hospitals because that means that it's not his problem anymore. Get the hell out of here. Honestly, you should be ashamed of yourself. I hope you go home every night and you are ashamed of yourself because that's what you should be. You should be ashamed of yourself. It, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass. It's not even entirely her fault. It's primarily, I believe, the state's fault. The state, I believe, isn't even giving enough funding to Mayor Bass and to the city of Los Angeles. I think, you know, that needs to be adjusted. But, but, like, come on. The state should be helping out. The state should be assisting Mayor Bass. And the state should be there. Gavin Newsom, Governor Newsom, needs to get down to Los Angeles and do his job as governor. There needs to be action from our state government. There can't just be laziness and proposing an amendment. And yes, I do like that amendment. I support the 28th Amendment. I think it's a great amendment. It needs to be added to the Constitution. I think it's fantastic. But there is a job you were elected to do, so do it. Don't just sit here and act lazy while millions and millions of Californians suffer day in and day out. I find it ridiculous. The lack of action, not even just in California, not even just in cities, but within the entire government, within the entire world of politics, I find it sickening. There needs to be immediate and heavy action that needs to be taken. 
That's why I chose to run. None of the candidates that I am up against are doing immediate heavy force action. None of my candidates are doing that. The Democratic Party is all about helping people out. That's what we're about. We have morals. We're morphing into the right. Very, very slowly, we're yet again morphing into the right. Because we are losing our sympathy for people. Because we think that now that we've secured people's votes and and everybody's now brainwashed, now we think we can just switch ship because that's what the establishment wants us to do. That that's where the establishment is veering. The establishment is veering more center. I find it ridiculous. We should be fearing, veering more left, not more center. That is ridiculous. Do I believe in a third party being centrist? You can do whatever the hell you want to. At the end of the day, I'm still going to be left. I'm still going to be far left because action needs to be taken. Action has not been taken. And, and look at the result. <laughs> look at the result of the lack of action. Things are not going well, whether they be economically, environmentally, physically, <laughs> visually, like everything, every single aspect. The government has failed the people, whether it be federal level, state level, municipal level. We have failed the people. It, we have failed the people. And it is time somebody steps up and actually helps the people instead of cashing a paycheck thanks to them and their taxpayer dollars. It's ridiculous. I find that ridiculous. You know, I, I just don't know what to think because it's so stupid. It's so idiotic. Like, come on, people. Seriously, do your jobs. Don't just sit here and look good for the camera and for the newspaper headline and for and for the, you know, and for the CNN uh, article. Don't just look here stand here and look good and then do nothing. Do your job. You did not get elected into office to perform a subpar nine to five job. You got elected into office to put your all into this job, into this position. Just remember, at any moment, people can choose to vote you out. Any moment. Just remember, any every four years, the people can choose to kick you right out of office. Just think about it. Of course, you know, I, I, I think there, there, is, there is a chance that we can make change happen for these pol- politicians. And I think there is a chance that, you know, we can reverse them, except, except for Eric Adams. I don't think we could do that. I mean, first off, I'm running in California. And second off, he, he's, he's so far gone at this point. I mean, he's talking about sending homeless people into hospitals for no reason. So, you know what? That's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, the whole San Francisco thing, I, I, I feel like if I'm elected governor, I'm taking control of that day one. I don't care what I have to do, what power I have to exert, what I have to do. I, I don't care if I, if I have to go to the state legislature or the state senate. I don't care if I got, if, if I have changed, if there are changes that need to be made and the mayor of San Francisco is not willing to make those changes, I will make those changes. 
not because they're San Franciscans, but because they're Californians. Californians have been screwed over relentlessly, consistently, and repeatedly by our state government, and additionally by the municipal governments of many cities and many counties. It's time somebody comes into office and takes control and gets change done and finishes the job. The job has been left half, not even halfway finished, a quarter finished by the current administration. And it looks like now we're going backwards. We're, we're going backwards in terms of the progress we have made. So if you elect me, we're going to finish the job. I don't care if there's 1% of the job done already or 85% of the job done already. We will finish that job. If you elect me, we will finish the job. It's time that the job is finished. It's time that the people are, are done suffering and they stand up for their rights and for themselves. It is time. It's past time at this point. And, and the next thing I want to talk about, and this is just a really quick topic, um, you know, Jesse Perez, he posted a poll on, um, he posted a poll on, or not a poll, he posted like a numbers update. I think I tried talking about this and then I went off on a little tirade. But, um, you know, he posted updates on like the numbers and obviously Betty Yee's there, um, Lieutenant Governor's there, he's there. And this poll comes from, I believe, I side with, which is a, a polling website, I believe. Um, and I've added myself as a candidate. I have a candidate profile on there. Um, but the reason why I'm talking about this is obviously I'm not on that list. Where the hell am I? <laughs> I'm I'm one of the only I'm the only candidate that is openly and repeatedly, very, very, very repeatedly spoken about what the hell needs to be done and how I'm going to get it done. I have published several plans at this point. What is the lieutenant governor and what is Betty Yee and what is Jesse Perez even, even posted when it comes to plans, when it comes to fully fledged five page PDF plans, minimum five pages, when it comes to those length of plans in detail, how many of those have they, have they released to the public? How many? None? Oh, well, I've released the Golden State Revitalization Plan, California UBI, Economic um, economic Growth Plan. I've released the San Francisco Plan, the Los Angeles Plan, the San Diego Plan. I'm about to release the Sacramento Plan fairly soon. That, that's six plans that I can think of off the top of my head that I've publicly released. And there's a plenty of more that are coming soon. I have, in, in my draft still, I'm finalizing writing the Sacramento Collaborative Plan. I'm, I'm finalizing an environmental justice plan, a healthcare justice plan, a crime plan to crack down on crime. I have several plans that are still in the chamber. A lot of people said, oh yeah, this Golden State Revitalization Plan, that's going to be the one and only plan he releases, and then he's going to campaign on it for several years. And then when that gets stale, he's going to release another one, maybe, possibly. Or he'll just come up with a generic slogan. But nope, I'm not doing any of that. I'm posting several plans. I'm publishing them to the public because the public deserves transparency, honestly, honesty. And you know what they deserve the most? Action. They deserve for action to be taken for them, not against them. 
not strictly for the benefit of the government and the people who are in the government. They deserve a budget that works for them and not the other way around. They deserve uh, an environment that is clean to breathe the air and drink the water from and, and to go out and enjoy their time on this planet. They deserve health care that is not through the roof in costs and hard to access. They deserve so many things. They deserve so many things. And the state government and the municipal governments and even the federal government to some extent, to actually a lot of extent, but still, you know, has ignored that and has neglected that no matter what side of, of the political spectrum you're on. No matter what side. It's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. It needs to change, and it needs to change right now. Now, I, I believe that, you know, action does need to be taken. I obviously released an official statement about the whole Los Angeles city shutdown and strike thing going on, and I called on Governor Newsom to do his goddamn job as governor, do his job, go down to Los Angeles, give them funding, and help out. You were elected for a reason. So do your job. It's not difficult. It is not a foreign concept. It's common sense. It's quite the contrary of a foreign concept. It's common goddamn sense. So do your job. It's so annoying and it pisses me off to, to a no extent and to no limit when politicians refuse to do their job. It's like the last thing on their list of things to do during the day is to do their goddamn job. You were elected for a reason. So show the people that they made the right choice. <sighs> I mean, obviously, this the topic gets me very, very heated, obviously. But, you know, that's why I decided to run. A lot of people might not take me seriously because I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm the youngest um, political candidate ever, I believe, when it comes to governors in California. I'm the youngest person to have ever decided to run. Uh, I would be the youngest governor elected, if elected. I'd be the youngest governor in, in, in American history <laughs> and Californian history as well. The youngest one. Because the youngest, the younger generation is realizing that enough is enough and that we've been played for the longest time and it's time that stops. So when the primaries do eventually come around, I hope you choose me um, as the Democratic nominee for governor of California because we're going to finish that job and we're going to get things done. That, that's exactly what the plan is. We're going to we're going to do the job we're going to finish the job. We're going to get things done. Those are the two things that I'm doing. So. Oh, but anyways, um, thank you all um, for listening to this episode of Live in Conversation. Um, in the next couple of days or so, maybe the next week, two weeks, I'm not certain yet. Um, I should be having a very special guest on the podcast. Um an amazing guest. Um, so yeah, hopefully we're going to have that arranged fairly soon. Um, I'll share more details when I can, but, um, yeah, so thank you for listening and I'll see you guys next time.